You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus. And in the movie Wedding Crashers, Bradley Cooper's character says that Maryland does crab cakes and football best. Alan Schneider, what are two things that you do best? Oh, dear. That's on the spot. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I can quote uh, lines from Friends and Cheers and The Hangover. There's one. Okay. Don't ask me to do any off the top of my head. And two... I'm pretty good at yard work. How's that? I was going to say pod, podcasts and Toyotas. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. That's probably, that probably, do a, uh, I'm probably better at that than the yard work. <laughs> Alan, welcome to the show. And also we want to introduce our other co-host, Mr. Brandon, no show Jaggers back from Saratoga Springs. Mr. Jaggers, how was it? That was a big trip. I tell you, I really enjoyed uh, the Friday card a whole lot more. We had a great time. The weather was really perfect on Friday. Uh, but as maybe some of the listeners know, leaving at 6 a.m. on a Friday morning and going all day and then coming back at 6 a.m. on Sunday, I made it back to Louisville. I was home in my house at 10.20 a.m. Uh, Sunday. But, uh, you know, great time. Saw a lot of people. Got a paddock pass on Traverse Day. Walked through the paddock, I think, probably six races. Met a lot of cool people, interesting people uh, from all walks of life and from everywhere. Th- that was a great experience. The key things are for me when I go in, I never really buy any drinks there because you can carry your own beer. Nice. And, and I go to Shake Shack for a burger. I enjoy the Shake Shack. And uh, seeing my friends. I see all, saw a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time. But Friday was gorgeous. Saturday was just kind of dark and rainy all day but man it was great action great horse races seeing the frenzy fire do what he did to yapon in live motion and it looked like it was slow motion when it started happening <laughs> uh was unbelievable i wanted frenzy fire to win but obviously the the bite cost us the win and uh it's just unbelievable seeing that live was was so much fun i got to meet kendrick carmouche Obviously, other jockeys I know, like Mike Smith, I set out of that guy in the paddock. You know, I should get pictures with all these guys, but maybe I just got too much pride or they're just too busy. I will say, Maggie Wolfendale almost ran us over with her pony. As we were walking out of the paddock, she had dropped some of her uh, technology, some of her equipment, and had to circle back. And when she circled back, she came running up. I mean, scared me and my friend half to death. Uh, and I, I got a video of it when she's coming back and, and man, she, she's a, she's a brute and I could never get to talk with her. That was kind of my goal to get a picture with her, talk with her, but she was so busy, you know, with, with Fox one or Fox sports network and getting on the pony. I mean, the pony was huge and I really, for a half second, I thought she was going to trample us. <laughs> I'm glad you're safe and sound at home. Right. Thank you. All right, let's get down to business here. Uh, a few things we want to cover before we get to our special guest. 
Uh, first of all, Alan was featured on the Jason Bean podcast. That podcast is available now, probably on any outlet you would listen to us, maybe uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Alan, how was uh, how was the Bean podcast? Oh, it was great. I was honored to be invited. Um, he hit me up last week, and I was like, sure, I'd be happy to do it. You know, I'm a big fan of his podcast. I, you know, I'm, I've remarked it's the gold standard. I do believe it's the gold standard of horse racing podcasts. It's probably the most popular. And uh, it's kind of humbled he'd want me on a horse player Thursday because I'm a kind of a small time guy. But uh, I enjoyed it. He's great. And we had a nice time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brandon, were you going to say something? Well, you know, Alan, I, I just I got to keep you in mind, you know, you're still under the auxiliary gate podcast contract. Therefore, any <laughs> horse picks you give out, you know, there's penalties and things that can occur for doing so. And thank you for abiding by your contract. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to get into any legal ramifications, but had I given out any picks on his podcast, I probably have never been invited back or he probably wouldn't have posted it. So I think, you know, two birds, one stone there. So, uh, but yes, I made sure to stick to the letter of the law, but yeah, Jason's a good guy. We may have him on in the future sometime, but I did enjoy it. And, uh, uh, it, it, it's a great podcast uh, through twin spires and such. So it was fun. So, uh, college football kicks off on Saturday. Maybe we should do a new segment every every week. We'll talk about maybe give out some football picks. So, uh, as far as the local teams, uh, University of Kentucky's favored by 31 over Louisiana Monroe. I believe that's on Saturday at noon. And then U of L plays Ole Miss uh, on Monday night. They're they're a 10 point dog. Uh, guys, any wagering advice for anybody that, that lays money down on 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 the pigskin? Alan, I know you're a you're a football, college football savant. Who do you like? Uh, which side of the UK, Louisiana, Monroe spread do you fall on? Well, this is going to come as a shock to people, but uh, I only bet horse racing, and I have my entire life. I'm not, I don't play anything else. I have bet about, I think I bet four football games last year for the first time in my life. I know that comes as a shock to people, but that doesn't mean that I don't follow the point spreads. I kind of know, you know, who I think is better and stuff. You know, I think Kentucky's going to be good this year, but I'm biased. I go to the games. I'm a season ticket holder. I don't know if they'll cover 31 points, but, uh, you know, I love horse racing, but there's nothing better than a college football Saturday going to a game. There's just not, to my opinion. Uh, my wagering actually tapers off this time of year because I'm so into college football. Uh, that said, I mean, I guess, you know, well, I'll say ULM covers over Kentucky. How's that? From a novice football better. There you go. Brandon, you were a bit on a football game. I did when I was in college, and I didn't have a great experience from that. It's just a totally different high, and it it's just, uh, you know, once you kind of get your butt whooped once, you don't go back for more. Unlike horse racing, you can really have a bad weekend, but then you go back the next weekend and play it all over again. I don't know why got- that is, <laughs> but the only thing I could say is whenever Keeneland and UK are playing the same, you know, weekend, the same Saturday, Keeneland in the day, Night game in UK. That's the best duo. I love it. Agreed. It's a great doubleheader. But I, I hung up my gambling boots. I do play fantasy football in the NFL, but I, you know I was lucky when I drafted Tony Romo, and that was years ago. But you, CC, do you have any opinion? Uh, CC's a Louisville fan, by the way. He likes both schools, but uh, I went ooh. to school. Yeah, graduated from UK, and I've been a. You know, we've had a Louisville season tickets for like 27 years to football. So, but uh, yeah, I, I I think if I could get nine and a half, 
uh, on Ole Miss. I think I would take Ole Miss over Louisville. I just I don't have a lot of confidence in the team this year, but we will find out more on Monday night. Uh, guys, uh, here's a question for you. Who's had the most impressive campaign through 2021, Essential Quality or Latruska? That's a great question. Great question. Ooh. Um, I'm tough. going to say it's, it's a tough question. I'm, it's a tough question. I'm going to say Essential Quality um, simply because she's won more time. I think he's won more times. I think Latruska's claim to fame has kind of risen in the – over the summer, well, Central Quality goes back to last year. Even though Latruska was good last year, I think it's a tough call. But uh, oof. I guess I'll take a Central Quality. Barely. Latruska's probably flashier in a lot of times, but Central Quality has just been downright consistent. I mean, the horse is eight for nine. It's one wide trip for being a perfect nine for nine. So, But that is a really good question. Brandon? Yeah, Craig. I, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a stumper because they're totally two different animals, two different divisions. Uh, obviously the sex type, but you know, Latruska to me is just flashier. Like Alan said, uh, has been a separator. She's had a lot of new shooters, but really no one that can sustain the test. I mean, she was challenged at Saratoga, but, uh, essential quality always runs. It seems like there's always one new shooter cold that he turns aside. I mean, you guys say he's a grinder. He wants, he wants to have something to, to run at. He got it. He gets it almost every time. And there's just other one other challenger. Latruska just kind of dusts them all for the most part in, in most every race she's done. Her essential quality just kind of grinds them out. And, you know, at the wire, wins by half, wins by a length, gets that separation on the last three or four jumps. So I, I think Latruska uh, is just incredibly talented. But if you like – to watch a race down to the wire, it's a central quality. All right, last question. Medina Spirit and Nick's go, if they face off the Breeders' Cup Classic at Del Mar going a mile and a quarter, who has the lead at the quarter oh, was, first quarter? I, I'm probably like, is this a joke? I mean, it's Nick. Yeah. I, I'm like, no, I, 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 I talked about to, to the first. To the to the how fast is the opening quarter and who has the lead and by how much? Nick's go by two lengths and in, in twenty two and four. I mean because uh, the Nick's go proved in the Breeders' Cup miles he's ridiculous. He can sit ridiculous fractions and still go. Uh, I, I, he's just a faster animal. Uh, no, I think it's Nick's go. I, I totally agree. I can't even stand watching Medina Spirit. I thought the horse was done. <laughs> Over last weekend, it was under heavy urging just through the turn. I'm not impressed with that horse. Hang that horse up. Put him to stud if you want. That's fine. But I'm done. I'm done. Can I can I say one thing? Everybody, that when the Baffert stuff hit, and I'm not betting Baffert anymore. I'm not betting Baffert more. And then every time I see a Baffert horse, they go off two to five, three to five, like Kameen did. And Medina Spirit was even money. It's like uh, somebody's betting the horse. It's like I think you, you guys need to maybe start uh, throwing out your – your thing's a little more conviction because every horse he sends out is two to five, three to five. So you guys are betting the, the horses. So I'm convinced he's got the Derby winner next year in his barn. That he had a, and the name escapes me, but he had a two-year-old going uh, two turns, a, a two-turn mile, and a two-year-old went 21 and four for the opening quarter on a two-turn mile. The horse lasted to, to hold on for a second. He should have finished dead last. Every every horse that ran with him finished out of the money. 
and I, I'm going to find out the name of that horse, but the, that, uh, yeah, yeah. It's hard was, to win the Derby when Churchill won't let him on the ground. So I know he's going to well, win the Derby. That's, that's going to be the trick. <laughs> What's going to happen there? They'll probably move the horse to Pletcher or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so, but, uh, as the calendar turns to September, that means that Ellis Park is drawing to a close and a new challenge presents itself in the form of Kentucky Downs. The European Styles Tracks Boutique Meeting opens on Sunday, and yours truly will be there. And, Alan, I think you're going to join us. Of course. And to talk about Kentucky Downs, Alan's going to introduce our special guest. Hey, thanks, EC. Uh, so, yeah, joining us now for the first time, for whatever reason, in Episode 68 is someone we've wanted to have on for a long, long time. Uh, he's the lead racing analyst at both historic Churchill Downs and the Fairgrounds and also the founding member of the successful Brilliant Racing Partnership, of which we've talked about, all three of us have joined and are really looking forward to. And with Kentucky Downs fast approaching, it sure seemed like the opportune, ideal time to welcome on Mr. Joe Christofek to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Joe, how are you doing? Doing well. It uh, was an opportunity last week for me to take a little bit of a personal time and recharge the battery and Kentucky downs. You mentioned one of my favorite times of the year because I'm working slash not working. And I know there's a lot of people out that are like, man, that's, that place is random. Like, I, I don't know how you sink the kind of bankroll you sink into it and invest, you know, that time and effort into wagering on that product. But I just think there's massive opportunities with the takeout rate, and uh, I've been waiting for this, and leads right into the Churchill in September, so uh, one of my favorite months out of the year. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, You know, it's a short meet. It's I guess you'd call it a boutique meet, and we're going to get into it here in a little bit, but I mean, I hear people say they can't play it. I'm like, uh, you play other things. I mean, full fields, we beg for full fields. We beg for turf racing. We beg for boxcar payouts. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't take a stand but uh so you and i are on the same page there yeah but you know actually go ahead no i was gonna say we'll get to some of those reasons a little bit later but people are you know uh, all the results are random or whatever but no there's certain angles that you can follow there and if you love turf racing you know the better payouts are going to be in grass races overall no matter what the track Mm -hmm. to begin with it's just kind of sort of magnified and you don't have to be right very often in order to, you know, come out ahead at the end of that six-day meet. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, be right twice a day, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's a bottom line. Um, before we get into everything else, one thing I want to ask, because as I mentioned, you do the fairgrounds work, and uh, you're down there a lot. But, of course, as we know, Hurricane Ida just hit the fairgrounds, and we know there was some damage down there significant have you been in touch with anybody in there what what are you hearing uh what's what's going on at the fairgrounds are they gonna be able to recover or what's the deal down there do you know yeah it's mostly just aesthetic damage from what i've heard so everybody's seen the picture of the tote board basically getting demolished um you know some some damage to the building uh that isn't gonna affect you know it operationally one of the barns was completely destroyed. A couple of other barns had some damage, but the one barn that was completely destroyed happened to be Michelle Lovell's barn. Oh, um, I didn't know that. I talked yeah, about it. Today. I saw a picture of that barn. I'm like, wait a minute. That looks very familiar. And uh, 
Amanda Hodges, who is uh, Lou Hodges' daughter, uh, Hodges Photography at Fairgrounds, had posted that. And I, you know, I had said, you know, that that looks familiar or whatever. And I'm thinking of you guys. And Michelle chimed in. She's like, yeah, that's my barn. And I'm like, well, you just confirmed it for me because I thought it might be. So, you know, it's tough for me in this position. Like, I don't want to bother anybody there. We've got a lot of important stuff coming up racing wise. I was supposed to get my first look at the at the stake schedule this week, um, obviously, with the cancellation of. Jazz Fest, it was probably about three weeks ago, you know, they had to go back in and readjust the stake schedule to put those grass races back in. So we were supposed to get a first look at the stake schedule this week, you know, maybe put out a press release towards, you know, the end of September. But right now, man, I don't even want to bother anybody there. It's like hands off, you know, probably for another week, 10 days before I reach out. You know, they've got enough enough stuff to worry about both uh, professionally at the fairgrounds and then obviously everybody in their personal lives as well. Oh, well, again, I was I've been talking to Michelle all week. I didn't know. And uh, so we'll, we'll have to reach out for some Michelle. If you're listening, Brandon and Cece and I, we, we feel bad. We hope everything's OK, but uh, I'll be talking to you. I hope you get, get everything cleared up. But, yeah, we I did not know that, Joe. So, uh, wow, didn't wasn't was unaware of that. But switching gears, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, Brilliant Racing. We joined. You're the founding partner. We had Brandon Staubon last week who gave us all kinds of details about it. I mean, you, you know how excited we are about it. Is there anything you'd like to add or discuss or whatever about it? Because, I mean, it seems like the ideal partnership and it seems like a bit of a passion project for you. Is that is that fair to say? That's a great way to put it. I know Brandon gave all the details last week. I'll just say, like, I've been a horse owner in the past. I uh, bought my first horse in a partnership in 2003 and owned a few in partnerships after that. And I've always wanted to be like the one kind of at the controls, like helping buy the horses, helping manage the horses. And man, I, you know, I don't have any kids. I have some disposable income, but not the kind of disposable income that you need of you course. Know, to buy multiple horses at a decent price point. So conceptualized uh, the partnership with Brandon and Natalie Gills, my fiance, uh, who wasn't at the time, but she is now. And we conceptualized this and we built it from scratch. And, you know, uh, yes, it's Ginger was the first horse we ever bought. Eskin Ford came after that. And all three partnerships have won multiple races and have had uh, some degree of success in a game that's very hard. But people always ask me, they're like, man, you know, you're at Fairgrounds, you're at Churchill, you're doing stuff for Twin Spires. You know, we know you're super busy. Why do you do this? Like, why do you spend your spare time, you know, doing everything that needs to be done to operate a partnership? And there's a lot with the communications and everything that's involved. And to me, man, I mean, I've done a lot in my life. I've had a lot of enjoyment over the years. Uh there's not too many things I haven't done, like where I say, man, I wish I would have done would have done that. To me, like watching those horses develop and race and eventually win, the personal satisfaction you get from that. I mean, to me, as I get, you know, a little bit older, life is so much more about fulfillment than it is uh, you know, having fun or or entertainment. And it's super fulfilling to do this kind of stuff. And not only for me, but the people that are involved. And these are experiences that you're never going to forget. 
you you buy these babies and you know they have no idea what they're doing and then they're kind of molded like a piece of clay they run for the first time you're super nervous you know then you get to find out exactly what they want to do as racehorses they eventually win and then you get a horse like you know yes is ginger who's just been an absolute gift for us you're never going to forget that stuff man those are memories that you make in your life that people can never take away from you and honestly i kind of sort of think that's what life's all about so if you love horse racing, you know, getting involved in the ownership game at the level we're able to let you get involved in it at just c- kind of sort of makes a lot of sense. People listening to this, how can you not be sold by that? I mean, I'm ready to go through a wall uh, for this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that were really well said. And uh, spoiler alert, when we were getting all this uh, information about this, uh, of course, I knew Brandon and Natalie are part of the team, but didn't, you did not hear engaged. I did not know that. So congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. We uh, we met four and a half years ago in Lexington. Uh, she's got a horse background and kind of sort of became more of a racing background over the course of time. But her contributions to the uh, to the partnership are immeasurable. I mean, she knows horses and there's so much to be said for understanding the mannerisms understanding the movement uh understanding the horse's needs and not to mention the fact that she's a graphic designer and she handles a lot of our social media stuff on top of all that so i think you just have three people that are kind of heavily involved in this thing on a day-to-day basis that really balance each other's skill sets so to speak and uh, i think that's why it works yeah, when you form a partnership, you form a partnership. I, I see you go all out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, no messing around over here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind uh, talking about the, your analyst gig for a little bit before we get into Kentucky Downs or anything these guys uh, want to talk about real quick. Because there's something I'm fascinated by. I, I, I'm, I, I can be kind of hard on analysts. I'm pretty level-headed overall, but I, it's, it's, I'll be honest. There's some analysts out there I think are terrible. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to mention any names. I think you guys do it right. I think you guys are one of the sets of guys that do it right. And, um, you know, you and Shapiro, those other guys, I like I like what you do. And I guess before I get in, like, my main question is, like, what, what goes on behind the scenes before you guys go on air? A typical day when we see you guys uh, on the set, I mean, is there a lot of preparation? Is there meetings? Are there fights? What's going on behind the scenes? <laughs> Uh, the answer is D, all of the above. <laughs> I, I would say, like, for me, and this kind of evolved in this position at Churchill, I'm not only, like, the host and an analyst, I'm also the producer. So I put together the rundown. We kind of conceptualize that little starting gate segment that we have kind of as a bridge between the program changes to the first race. Um we're going to implement, you know, some new and different things statistically during the upcoming meet. Started with Jill Byrne in 2015, who did an absolutely amazing job. She brought me in. And at that point, we were kind of limited with what we were able to do. It was talking head Joe in the paddock, and then that was it. Yeah. But since Keith Wetzler's come along, and he's comes from a television background and didn't know a lot about racing coming into the job, We've kind of evolved the television aspect of it to have 
multiple hosts and have the twin spires set on the gold room balcony and implement a bunch of different elements and, you know, a new graphics package where we have the topic bars and the market movers floating in and just kind of adding things little by little that we think would be valuable to the horse player. So I take a lot of pride from it, not only from an analyst perspective, but from a producing perspective to try to bring the best product possible to the simulcast feed. But man, I'm doing like I, I big proponent of trip notes, track biases. Like there's so few advantages in 2021 than there were when I was growing up where if you actually, man, it's a tougher game. It's an easier game for people that don't pay as much attention, which is level the playing field. Yeah, there's no doubt. The game, I I knew 20% as much as I know now, 15 or 20 years ago. And it was easier to win back then. Yeah, well, you are exactly right. I've never thought about it in that way, but you are exactly right. I've been doing this a long time. And again, I know more, but things have gotten, I mean, there's more information out there. We're all privy to more information. The bets are the bets are more complex and, and such. So I never thought about it before. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Joe, I'll tell you one of the best things that I look forward to every year that you guys and, and definitely you're producing and with your team is the Derby Week 7 a.m. Facebook Live. I mean, seeing the horses work out in the mornings, whether I'm there or not, but watching it on my iPad in the mornings as I get up, have a cup of coffee. You talk about getting into Derby Week and Derby action. I love it. So I hope you all continue to do that and do it as well as you've done. I mean, I can even think of the theme music in the back of my mind. (laughs) As Stobble is is watching them, you know, gallop out him talking about the horse flesh. I mean, it was, it's a, it's a really great show. So my compliments to you and your team. Again, that's something that evolved from, we didn't do that when I first got there, you know, Mm -hmm. Jill, Jill conceptualized it from, you know, nothing to at least being something where it was just basically me standing out there by myself, trying to do a show (laughs) like that solo with, you know, I just think about those days and laugh about those days. And it it's just evolved into, you know, last year we had Rosie Napravnik uh, as a, as a contributor. And, you know, you mentioned Brandon Staubel and his eye for the workouts and, you know, James Scully, the most energetic racing analyst mm-hmm. probably. And uh, in, in my time following horse racing and Scott Shapiro put so much time and energy into everything that he does. And then, you know, add, as, as his unique flair and, you know, you could throw anything at Ed and he's going to catch it and run with it, which is a unique skill set as well. So I think we all compliment each other on that show, but the horses are the stars, man. I mean, having those horses there early and getting those workouts and, you know, producing it and getting interview clips, um, you know, the days that I don't do it, which are probably two or three during the whole course of the run up to the Derby. I'm like you guys, man, I'm watching it. I got my coffee. I'm paying attention, you know, just like you guys. And I'm like, I I marvel at, you know, how good it is and, and, and how valuable it is to the racing fan, whether or not you're experts like you guys and love it for every aspect of the sport or if you're kind of newcomers trying to get caught up to speed with what's going on, it, it just caters to a variety of different uh, levels of people that have some sort of interest in it. It's, it's how I picked out the Oaks winter mouth that was watching on your all's video, then seeing the horse in person. I was blown away. I mean, and then that's how I stayed on, on that horse. So uh, 
I mean, God, it's it's so much fun. And just thinking about it, man, it makes me feel like it's it's nearly derby time. But really, we're going into Breeders' Cup and Kentucky down. So totally different aspect, but we appreciate those morning episodes. Yeah, and I mean, we're not that far away from the first points races. The right, you know, the the Iroquois, the Goldenrod. I mean, you're looking at you know great races in September and great races in November. Um, Kentucky Jockey Club, obviously, always huge in November, along with the Goldenrod, and uh, we're 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 going to be on the road to the Derby before you know it. And there's nothing better than following uh, the points and following these horses all across the country and finally getting down to that final 20 or 14 for the Oaks. It's, uh, it's the best time of year, the lead up to the Derby to me. You got that right. And if I could piggyback something uh, Brandon said, I think one of the things that I do respect that you guys do is uh, because I try to look at things through all prisms as if, you know, I'm more of an experienced player, but I like try to look at the through a prism of a novice, a casual fans, an intermediate and one of the things that I like that you guys do is the uh, the live long shot, the favorite I'm against, the how to be a better better. I think you're I think you're behind that. Those are the things I think that help advance people up that staircase of their expertise. You know, so I I, I like that you guys do that, and I hope you continue to do things such as that. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I wish we could do more. You know, I've been in this game for a long time, longer than I'd like to admit, and I've done a lot of hands-on fan development, a lot of hands-on fan education way back to the day where we did the, uh, the racing one-on-one tour with America's best racing. And we had, you know, 10 set up at the big events and, you know, we've, I'm guessing all of you guys have had a mentor in some way, shape or form, you know, somebody that you went to the track with that you were able to learn the game from, uh, along with learning it organically. I think the best way to learn the game is, you know, understanding why you lost and try to get, get better from it. Preach uh, on. Yeah, it's true, but not everybody has a mentor and we don't, we don't do a good enough job in the industry as a whole of watering the seed. So yeah. anything that we can do on the signal, we're going to do. And I wish we could do more, honestly. There's so much, only so much time in the day, but uh, CC, you want to throw anything Joe's way before we hit this Kentucky Downs turf action? Well, Joe, I was just curious. So what do you think the, the next evolution of, of what you do is going to be like the simulcast show? I mean, what, what's, what's next? How, how can you expand what you already do? Well, I, I can, I mean, I can talk about it. Like there's going to be a couple things that we're going to implement this, uh, this meet that I think can improve the conversation. Um, I think a lot of times we kind of sort of feel rushed race to race because we're mm-hmm. waiting for that first horse to get into the paddock, but we want to be a little bit more conversational uh, at the top of each simulcast show going into each race, talk a little bit b- more about what just happened the race before kind of do a better job setting up the race that's coming up. And we're going to implement a, a new uh, feature this meet called uh, inside or excuse me, beyond the PPs it's called. Uh, and Ed DeRose is going to spearhead that. And I'm sure you guys have seen him on Twitter. He just tweeted out maybe seven or eight, you know, great statistics about the upcoming Kentucky Downs. Yes, like, yes, he did. He does that early gonna, in the week, and I appreciate that. Yes. Right. And we're going to do a lot more of that at Churchill because every race has a theme to it. Every race has something interesting going on. And to yes. be a good handicapper and a good horse player, 
you got to be better than just the past performances that are in front of you. You've got to think creatively. You got to get inside the mind of the trainer. There are under the radar statistics that can help you. So we're going to go beyond the PPs with Ed. He's going to kind of come up with a, a stat, you know, basically every race to kind of set the table for the horses coming into the paddock. And then we're just going to kind of sort of take it from there, but just, you know, just kind of tweaking what we're already doing to even become more entertaining and more informational. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, some positives in that regard coming up here in September and November. Love it. Absolutely love it. I love it, Slash. Good job, Slash. <laughs> That's a lot of fun, man. I'm a team player. I'll do whatever. But I was drawing the line at being a cowboy. I mean, <laughs> you guys saw it- Ed. Like, oh, I, yeah. I thought he, was, he came straight out of the movie Toy Story. I'm telling you. <laughs> Were you the one giving him hell on Twitter? Because that stuff was hilarious. No, I, mean, I would never do that. I think it was you. Those I, I need to go back and find that stuff. For those on the we're talking, what we're talking about before we get to Kentucky Downs, they had some uh, little dress-up themes for night racing, which night racing at Churchill's fantastic. I think mean, uh, Rock Night, Joe dressed up as Flash from Guns N' Roses, and Ed's dressed up as kind of an accountant cowboy. Is that fair to say something like that? I, and, I mean, he had the belt buckle. He, I mean. There's nothing worse in life, man, than a fake cowboy. And Ed was to the extreme. <laughs> well, yeah, that was you. That was definitely – you're the one giving him hell on Twitter. That was pretty damn funny. <laughs> yeah, he, he takes it well, though. He's a team player, too. Right. All right, guys, you want to talk some Kentucky down, CC? Yes, let's do it. Okay, let's roll. Is there anything you want to start with some angles or anything, uh, Joe, before we get going that you uh, might – anything or you want to go as organically as we go along? I mean, we could talk about a few things. I, you know, everybody talks about the uh, the configuration of the turf course, and it's it's obviously a a big deal, and it's unique, and it's very difficult to get, you know, fan friendly camera angles there. And I think that's a big annoyance for a lot of people, is you know, they switch the camera angle, and there's still you know a half mile to go in the race or whatever. It's like it's a never ending stretch, right? But I don't care, man. I'm just trying to cash tickets. So, you know, I'm kind of used to what we got to deal with visually, and there's really not much Kentucky Downs can do. I I, I think if you just remember the way the the undulation of the course is, that when that grass course is firm, speed does really well in the sprint races, Mm -hmm. the six and a half, six furlong races, and the races at a mile and further, uh, tend to tend to favor horses that come from off the pace because the speed's kind of got to go up that hill at the beginning of the race, and that can be a little bit taxing on a speed horse. But then when the horses make their moves on that big wide sweeping turn, you know you're going a mile, you're going you know these mile and five sixteens, mile and a half races usually tend to to benefit the off the pace types. So if you go into it with that knowledge base especially when the turf is super firm i think you can implement that when that turf seems to get a little bit of give in the ground it can be a lot more conducive uh to off the pace types because we know how you know taxing that stretch run can be so uh, you know as far as any angles would would go i would start there i mean obviously there's certain jockeys and trainers you know mm-hmm. mike maker wesley ward um that do really well there that, you know, the, the French jockeys seem to do really well there. Florent, uh, Julian, uh, Rispoli, uh, Pratt. I mean, they're going to do well anywhere. 
Tyler uh, Gaffleone does well everywhere. Uh, Jose Ortiz the last couple of years has been a factor. Right. You know, and then there's some riders that absolutely hate riding there. So <laughs> it, it's a lot more black and white, I think, than a lot of people uh, g- give it credit for. Reminds me a little bit of Turfway. People think Turfway is impossible. It's not. Kentucky Downs is tougher than Turfway, in my opinion. But at the same time, you don't have to be right. You don't have to be right six out of ten races. I mean, you know, so. And do you, does it, do you, do you guys know who has won more races at Kentucky Downs than anybody jockey-wise? I, I found this out yesterday. I, I did not know this. Who's won the most races at Kentucky Downs in her career? Well, the last ten years, it's been Brian Hernandez. And I think. He still think does. Ro- he's, yeah. he's still number one. He's still number one all – yeah, he's number one all time too, right? I saw that in their media guide, uh, which they did a great job with, by the way. Um, and I think that's more just because he's probably ridden there uh, the longest. Yeah. He he gets a good amount of mounts there. I think he's still typical Brian Hernandez, 15%. Uh, but when I handicap the Kentucky Downs races, that's not the first rider I think of, but it's certainly not one of the guys I'm going to dismiss. Agreed, agreed. All right, CC, you want to lead this off or? Yeah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I mean, we're just going race by race. If you, if, if you like a horse, say something talk about the race, just speak up. Uh, and, and we'll just, like you said, we'll have some organic conversation about some of these races. I will lead off with race one. It's a mile and a half made special weight. I love these horses, but it seems like you're, as the years go by, they come up weaker and weaker every single year because uh, you just don't get a lot of horses that want to go this far anymore. But uh, I know Alan likes a horse in here. Uh, Alan, why don't you lead off? I know, I know you like uh, you like a horse. Who do you like here? Yeah, it's one of those nondescript mile and a half type races where you know it wouldn't surprise you if a lot of different things couldn't happen. So if you've got an idea, if you've got an angle, give it a shot in a race like this. And my angle is, uh, it's one I've failed on about four times in the last couple of years, is Incitatus. Because Incitatus is a son of General Ruler. And General Ruler was a horse that uh, homebred for the the Morse, the Morse or Morse, I'm not sure how to say it. But General Ruler was a horse that took seven, eight, ten tries to break, break her maiden. But once the light bulb went on for General Ruler, uh, she just excelled at the mile and three eighths, mile and a half distances, and she ran the same push button race every time. And Chris Landeros rode her, and I keep waiting for that light bulb to go on. Uh, it may not happen here, but they're going a mile and a half. There's a, a brief layoff. Maybe the Saratoga prep was just a prep. There's no pace in the race. Maybe Landeros puts her up, puts him up close at ten to one in a race where I have no opinion else elsewhere. Why don't we try and Tatis? Because he simply because he's a son of General Ruler, and I love General Ruler. So, Joe, you got anything here? Uh, Incitatus owes me quite a bit of money. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get ten to one on him. <laughs> I, I bet I'm pretty good in that May 13th race um, when he ran seventh, and I'm like, what is this? Like, why is he going 40? Like, why is he battling? I know. I know. 46 and change going a mile and an eighth. And I think it comes down to what you said. Maybe he's got more talent and he doesn't know how to, how to rein it in. And maybe the light bulb is going to go off. And, you know, if you're going to get 10 to one, it's, it's worth finding out. Uh, Floody Frencher makes a lot of sense. He's going to be finishing. Well, looks to me like Brendan Walsh gave him the time off between Keeneland gave him a mile race at Ellis. Looks like he set up perfectly for the Kentucky downs race. And, 
Uh, Brendan does do well, typical 17% trainer at Kentucky Downs. You get Tyler, but you also got to take the morning line favorite. Evie's Prince was a horse that interested me for uh, Joe Sharp. First try in the barn, went a mile and three-eighths at Lone Star last time, got beat a length in a very average maiden special weight race. But, man, he was hung wide every step of the way. It looked like he was going to win, and then he kind of just hung a little bit in the stretch. But the turf course and that race in particular, a kind of favored speed, and they went really slow, even for a mile and three-eighths, 51 flat, 117 and change. So that one could be a little bit sneaky as well. And you know what, guys? And, you know, Alan, you said you uh, you liked Incititis. You're going to get 6, 8, 10 to 1. I remember the last meet at Kentucky Downs, and it was one of the few that I wasn't profitable. I probably picked seven or eight. winners on top, but kept missing pick fours, kept missing pick fives. If you like a horse like this and you're getting eight or 10 to one, more so than any other racetrack that you're going to bet on, bet the horse you like. Because inevitably, you're going to get a 35 to one that you don't have in the exacta, run second, and you're going to pick an $18 winner and lose money. That's the worst feeling you could have in racing. Preaching to the choir, I've got an idea on a pick four, pick five player. I might single the towards just as desperation. Get the meat off to a bad start. <laughs> well, but we'll see. We'll see. Like Bet across the board or ladder the horse. Joe, I know you like those ladder bets, right? <laughs> perfect. Perfect opportunity to do that. A horse like this could pay 880 to show and get beat seven lengths and run third and you still make money. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going to try to make this bet to win in case that light bulb goes on. But I kind of know how this is going to play out. Maybe I'll just get there late and miss the race. <laughs> you guys got anything in race one? I'd like to play the 50 cent pick threes on these courses. Oh, yeah. And I mean, for a value bet, I think I, I have cashed on 50 cent pick threes at uh, Turfway and at Kentucky Downs over a thousand bucks with initial entry of probably $50, $52. So. I, you know, I always phone a friend when anytime I see a Mike McCarthy horse. Uh, so I, I'm going to be playing Warbird. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's a lot of ways to go in here. So <laughs> good luck to anybody who plays this race. It's a tough one. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, the, you mentioned the takeout rates too, man. I mean, 14% on the pick fours and pick fives, you know, and what is it? Let's see, what's the pick three takeout rate? It's, uh, it's 19%, which... You know, is still is still good. Uh, there's still a lot of tracks around the country, and we won't mention any of them, that are like 25% still for yeah. pick fours and pick fives. And I'm sorry, man, as a horse player, yes. even if I like those sequences, it it really is a deterrent to me. I understand that. I understand that okay. without question. Let's go. To well, case, huh? I'm ready to go on a race too. You got it, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, made special weight, six and a half furlongs. Philly's two years old. And the favorite, morning line favorite, is number 12, Lady Be Lucky from the Eddie Keneally barn. Uh, ran fourth on debut and comes back. I thought that was a pretty tough race. Uh, Joe, there's a couple of uh, Mark Cassie first-time starters, and I think in, in some of Ed's stats that he released earlier this week, uh, Cassie has good luck with first-time starters at Kentucky Downs. Yeah, I, I think the last couple of years it's uh, actually been a lot better as far as, you know, in the past you would think, oh, don't play first-time starters at Kentucky Downs. It's tough enough to be a first-time starter to begin with, let alone trying to, you know, have your first experience racing be at that track. 
the one that I looked at is a first-time starter, Joel Rosario for Joe Sharp, which to me, ah, man, I I just think this horse is super well-intended. Celestial mm-hmm. Woods, is that, I think Celestial Woods is a dam of Handy Woods? Uh, Bobby's Kitten. Bobby's right? Kitten. And uh, Bob- another Ramsey Station. Yeah, good damn other... though, good family, right? So, uh, just looks to me, you know, based on these workouts, you know, you, there's only so much you could read into them. This horse looks very well intended to me. Uh, Joe Sharp, Joel Rosario, that's not a combination you see every day, but I would guess that Joe thinks that Joel's like perfect fit for this horse. Maybe shows a lot of finishing punch in the mornings. Otherwise, you might see Adam on if it was a horse that had a lot of speed. So that's the one I was kind of gravitating to in there. Celestial Woods is the dam of Bobby's Kitten, Camelot Kitten, uh, another horse, uh, Believe in Kitten. I think that's another Ramsey horse. So, yeah, that one's got uh, it's got, a, got a rich pedigree, or at least on the on the dam side. I agree yeah, with Joe on this one. I, this, that's the one I like because it's, uh, I believe, all those winners, that, it's full of – Kitten's Joy is the sire of all these horses uh, that uh, this uh, that's been thrown, and I think Candy Ride is uh, the father on this one, correct? The sire, if I'm not mistaken. Ride is the sire. Yeah. So, uh, and again, Joel Rosario's showing up six and a half at the Kentucky Down Turf. Maybe think they want to finish with the source. I'm with Joe on this one. I, I kind of like Miss Haven. Uh, want to throw one out here, you guys. Uh, you don't see Joe Orsino ship up here very much. I know he's got two on this card. Uh, any thoughts on number two, Gamble's Orb? It's a daughter of Orb making her third start. She's got experience now. Had a bullet work on the turf, a really fast bullet work, 34 and 3. Uh, what do we make of Joe Orsino coming to, to, to take it down? Joe? Um, what I make of it is the horse is 20 to 1. And. The fact that he's sending the horse here with that bullet work uh, on the grass, why, I mean, what what would be the purpose to send this horse here if he didn't think he had a shot? I mean, that's the way I look at it. The horse has shown good speed in two races, hasn't been entered to run on the turf yet, but, uh, you know, obviously has, has shown some ability. And like I said earlier, speed, speed can be very good, uh, in these sprint races at Kentucky Downs when the grass is firm. I think there's a chance of rain on Sunday. Uh, the last I looked, but I think all of next week is supposed to be beautiful. So just kind of sort of keep that in mind. But, man, there's a lot worse 20-to-1 shots than this horse. Agreed. Okay, guys, anything else in race two you want to talk about? Uh, that's enough. I think you are I think you may be on something with Gamble's Orb. They, this is like they put this horse on a turf for work and then – she she blew out three furlongs like hell. Let's come up to Kentucky down and see what we got. So I don't blame it all for trying that one. I think the I Cassie think, horse on the rail might be tough too because the other Cassie horse has missed some works. This, this John Oxley horse might be tough, but I, it's missed Haven for me. But I would keep an eye on your two horse. I'm gonna take Towser and I think Brian Hernandez hits the board here. He's gonna just like what we talked about all time winning jockey. I think he's gonna have a big shot with this horse. Looks live. It's a tough race. It's a tough race. Tough race. I think you have to spread here, but let's go to race three. It's starter allowance, one mile, three years old and up. Uh, horses that have started for a claiming tag of ten thousand dollars in the last two years. And I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't look too 
too close at this race. The morning line favorite is number seven, Exulting, from the Mike Maker barn. And he'll be ridden by Joel Rosario. Uh, horse is 0 for 3 on the grass, but we know how Mike Maker uh, fires all of his bullets at Kentucky Downs, it seems. Uh, you mean to go? Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Uh, this race, these starter allowance races at the Kentucky Downs, more so than maybe some other tracks, you, you might have standouts in these races. People think it's they're, they're wide open. This race looks like a three-horse race to me, but it could be as easy as a one-horse race if Exulting takes the turf, right? I mean, it's maker. This horse has been showing uh, just incredible form at Churchill. Uh, I think just ran in the against Sprawl, didn't he? Uh, if the horse takes the turf, I think the horse wins. Now, I don't know if it will or not. So, you know, there's a part of me that wouldn't, wouldn't mind double singling this horse with uh, in Satatis in the first race. But there's the rail horse um, coming from Tampa and let me get my glasses on, Indiana. Quality Step has a shot. The, the Valley horse, PH Factor, has a shot. I think those are only three that can win. So I'm curious if you guys think Exulting is a single or is the turf, the lack of turf success, um, too much? Uh, to overcome that the, the class edge he has. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I would probably lean towards singling. The horse did run at Kentucky Downs and didn't hit the board in that one lone start here a couple of years ago, but ran a very representative speed figure compared to the rest of his numbers. He's in great form. You mentioned some of the horses he's been running against. Uh, Going to be forwardly placed, but you would think with Rosario, he's going to save plenty uh, for the stretch. And, I mean, I think, you know, Makers had a great Saratoga meet, right? But he's been pretty cold. Yeah. Right? Recently. Yeah. But the reason for that is <laughs> there's one one trainer that points for Kentucky Down that's him. Yes. So this guy has started 328 horses at Kentucky Downs the last 10 years, according to Ed Stats. And the second highest is Wesley Ward with 152. Um, wow. So this is the kind of horse that's two to one in the morning line. That's going to be three to five. And I think deservedly. So a um, couple of the others that look decent on paper, decent that, that look decent on paper. I don't think are good enough to beat them. So I guess I would, I would probably be willing to sp- single him and spread in some of these other races that we've already talked about being wide open. CC didn't exulting scratch at Saratoga last week. I thought I think it was a much tougher company than this. And then they scratched maybe knowing, hey, we got this. They probably planned for the starter allowance at Kentucky Downs all along anyway. I think, but I, think I think exulting scratch last week. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play uh, verticals in this spot, this is the type of race I would put exulting on top, and then look at a horse like number twelve Ransack or number thirteen if he draws in High Noon Rider. Both horses have wins over the Kentucky Downs turf course. Yes, that's, good call. That is a, this is the type of meet that you look for horses for courses. And yes. Ransack would fit that bill, and his trainer, Waylon Cundiff, just pulled off a 55-to-1 shocker maybe last weekend at Ellis in an allowance race. So uh, they're riding high off of that, uh, that win, and, and uh, Chase Miller is riding the horse. He rode the 55-to-1 the, the shot last weekend too so i would i would keep an eye on ransack underneath and the same with high noon rider for Safi joseph he had a horrible saratoga meet and i'm sure that he's glad that's over but uh, he gets new life with a nine-year-old uh and that horse is 
three out of four on the board at, at Kentucky down. So I think you need to use him. Plus you get Leopard and hopefully he'll, he'll draw him. Agreed. Race four, made special weight, one mile, two-year-olds. Another one of these great two-year-old races. I'm looking for a morning line favorite, and I cannot find one. Looks like it's seven to two morning line on number six. Pammy's ready from the Wesley Ward barn. Any uh, any thoughts on race four, guys? Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, Wesley Ward does really well at Kentucky Downs, too, so you can never uh, dismiss some blinkers come off. For the first time, a mile distance uh, seems to be right in this horse's wheelhouse. I'm going to throw out a huge bomb of the five braggadocio. If you guys remember that day at Churchill, Norm Cassie had two horses claimed from from him out of the same race. Hundred grand each. Uh, Billy Denzik. Was, uh, yeah, well, Jeff Hiles now. Yeah. Uh, um, is that Bill Denzik? Is that rocket ship racing? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. He's like the statement manager. So there you go. So, you know, I don't know who the sugar daddy is here, but (laughs) somebody has got some money and this horse was nine to two on nine to two on debut, right in a field of 10 and, you know, lost five lengths at the start was four wide, the whole race, six wide in the turn. And Florent just called it a day after that. And this horse is supposed to be better on the grass, you know, on the damn side out of that hard spun mare. And it looks like, you know, this was the intention the whole time, man. You know, you run on June 19th. You've got steady workouts all the way through July, all the way through August. Stamina building five furlong workouts. I mean, this, this horse is well intended. Whether or not the horse can run a step, I don't know. But you probably will get every bit of 30 to one, I'm guessing. Oh, I like it. And it's Scat Daddy. Didn't Ned Stad say Scat Daddy is is the man on the turf course, if I'm not mistaken? There you go. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to blow these pick fours up, y'all. Pick fives, pick threes. Uh, I'm going to use that one. It's a good call, Joe. I like that. I mean, you take a look at that angle. You're doing a maiden claim first time out for $100,000. I mean, you don't see it too often, especially when you know the horse was, was bought for, you know, 40. So somebody saw something. Uh, the morning works don't really tell any tale as to what if this horse can run at all. They're probably the slowest on this whole page. But, I mean, man, oh, man, that it's a Kentucky Downs bomb, that's for sure. I'm Pam's ready. I think Wesley Ward is ready to jump out. This is going to be – it's a Rockingham Ranch with Joel Rosario. I don't see much else in this race, but I tell you, if Braggadocio upsets me, so be it. <laughs> I'll you both. If Braggadocio wins, that's going to be a Braggadocio for me, for sure. You got that right. All right, well, the waters get deep in race five, and I'm, I'm going to be honest. These are the races I struggle in. The allowance optional claimers, six and a half. These are the older horses that never won two races other than uh, maiden or claiming. The morning line favorite is number 12, Super Dormy, seven to two from Mark Cassie. Way on the outside. Uh, guys, I have no idea what to do here. Now, we will give a shout-out to our buddies, uh, Lee and Bob Butler with Centrifuge number 10. Uh, look, looking forward to, to joining up with them on Sunday. And uh, obviously we wish uh, their horse uh, the best of luck and uh, definitely rooting for a centrifuge. Uh, guys, uh, Joe, any opinions in race five? I got two strong opinions here. So super dormy seven to two. He's supposed to win this race. 
<clears throat> to me. He's been keeping the best company. A gear jockey on the cutback at Saratoga. Gray attempt, who's you know been a monster for for uh, for Chris Hartman recently. Ran a Kentucky Downs in the Franklin Simpson. Uh, they had race driver entered in that race. Race driver was on the AEs. I, <laughs> I full disclosure, I texted David Carroll. I'm like, man, you got super dormy in the body, and you got race driver on the outside you know, what are you guys going to do? And he basically said, you know, we're hoping somebody else comes out because we really want to run them both. And I was like, why do you want to run super dormy? I mean, he's okay, but race driver looks a lot better to me. Race driver didn't get in the race. Super dormy almost won at 47 to one uh, at Kentucky downs. So I just think this horse has a somewhat of an affinity for the course. And then Mr. Hustle is very interesting. He ran great. Uh, at Woodbine on the Tapita and then on the turf, was gone a long time, came back at Gulfstream, well, was terrible in the Cutler Bay against Decorated Invader, you know, South Bend, et cetera, disappeared again. Then he runs at, uh, at Alice and they throw him right in a stake. You know, this horse has no conditions left, but they they must have been somewhat confident in his ability to run well to put him in that stake. And he, he ran better than it looks. He had a claustrophobic trip. He was shuffled back into the pocket, kind of ran evenly behind born great CM reap and gray attempt. Any of the three horses uh, that finished in front of him in those top three spots would be favored in this race. And you get Tyler and uh, Eddie Keneally's had sneaky good stats at Kentucky downs too. And you get 12 to one second off the layoff. So Super Dormy is a likely favorite. I like him quite a bit, and uh, I'll be utilizing Mr. Hustle, too. Yeah, I'm not going to add much to what Joe said. I mean, it, it's one of the tougher races, but he mentioned the two that, that caught my eye the most. I think Super Dormy is a class. And Mr. Hustle, I did like Mr. Hustle's last race coming off that layoff. And he chased a 43-2, and 54-4, which is sick. Uh, and again, though, that was a, that was a tougher field than people see Ellis Park. That was a tough field. So those are the two that intrigued me the most, but I'm not going to add much to it. I, I like his two selections there. Yeah, he sold me. I'm I'm with Joe on those. Then we may uh, end up in the I'm gonna add just and just one that Americanus. That I think that horse wanted to be sneaky. It can be sneaky. Really good. That's it. That's all though. The well covered the race. All right, race six, one mile. Made special weight, two-year-olds. I think this features the best bet on the card, in my opinion. Uh, that's number eight, Vivar. Eight to five for Brad Cox, Joel Rosario. Uh, watched the replay on this horse in his debut. He didn't have the best of beginnings. Kind of kind of got roughed up a little bit. Uh, but when he was set down for the drive under uh, Martin Garcia, he, he really closed well. He had a really nice finishing kick uh, to finish fourth. I think he can only improve for a short leaf stable john ed anthony uh, joe uh, your thoughts race six i think this is a bad race for the level so my first inclination is to agree with you i'll just poke a couple small holes uh in that race on july 31st it was it was a, a slow paced race but the race absolutely fell apart the top four or five finishers in that race all came from well out of it this horse, though, lost position completely on the first turn, was severely compromised on the first turn, had traffic on the second turn, and like you mentioned, really finished with energy. So I don't expect this horse to be completely out the back like he was last time because I, I really think that you know losing that position on the first turn wasn't a indication of a lack of early speed. 
and and I look around and I'm like, well, if not him, then who? And I really don't see anybody else. Uh, I don't think that first race, at least the field that he faced was very good. But like you said, there were some reasons to think that he's a lot better than that. So unless I can come up with something creative, which at first, second and third glance, I can't, you know, this might be a horse that I'm willing to single too. Yeah, yeah, he the, might he might be a default selection for me. Yeah, go ahead, CC. Well, uh, the horse I was going to take a look at seriously here was number three Verstappen for Walsh. I went back and watched that replay, and uh, you know, you look at the running line. He was eleventh, 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 and he finally passed horses for the, you know for to finish eighth. He didn't do anything though. I, I thought I might see him just lag near the back of the pack and then make a run and then just fill, finish full run. He he just looked awful in that race. That was the only horse that I thought might be competition for Vivar. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, this is my single in something. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it, we're going to get probably six to five on the horse. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where I am. Sorry, Alan, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it, Jill's right. I think this is a bad race. That's why I like – I saw Vivar's last race, and I was impressed. But the, the race did come back slow. And he's right. It, it did kind of fall apart. So I was like, on first glance, okay, I'm going to maybe try to beat Vavar because I know what the price is going to be, but I don't see a lot in here. This is not a, you know, they're going, they're running for 135,000 here. And it's like, you know, it, the field may not be representative of that. Uh, the two that I would maybe keep an eye on, maybe to be, is Sensei Lawrence, uh, number one, because uh, the Karate uh, Cobra Kai is a really good show, obviously, number one. Um <laughs> But, and again, Brian Hernandez, horse shown some speed last time. The horse ran good his first time out of Churchill. That was against Gunite, Brigadier General. Thought he'd run better at Ellis last time. For some reason, he didn't. He did show speed. Uh, but I'm willing to forgive that race a little bit because this race is not that good. So I would say Sensei Lawrence is a possibility to upset the field maybe and then maybe Scattershack. Because in that, that Guntown race, where Guntown looks like he's got a nice future, Scattershack did kind of pass horse and kind of stay on for third. And, again, there's Scat Daddy on the bottom. Queen of Scat was an okay turf horse, uh, the mama. So maybe Scattershack, maybe Sensei Lawrence, but Vivar is probably your most likely winner. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll add on Scattershack, too. And, it, you know, Shackleford's a sneaky good turf sire. You got the bullet work at Ellis on August 30th. Romans has not been good at Kentucky Downs, but this horse to me seems well-intended. I don't know what happened in the debut, why the horse didn't run a step on the grass, but a huge improvement in the first one-and-a-half-turn try at Ellis, so that would probably be my alternative as well to Vavar. Yeah, and there's a 47-2 bullet coming out of that last race, too, so maybe maybe he is well-intended, but we'll see what the tote board says. Okay, guys, let's dig into the late pick five. It starts with race seven, allowance race, fillies and mares. A other than six and a half furlongs. The morning line favors number six, Flying Fortress for Shea McGahee. Broke his broke her maiden, this daughter of Uncle Mo, broke her maiden at Colonial. And she's the three to one morning line favorite. But I think this thing is wide open, guys. Oh, I tell you what, I'll go ahead and take this one. Um, that's my single, Flying Fortress. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. because why? I mean, First off, this is one of those races. I'd rather single someone with a better price. But uh, if I were to single in a multi, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Flying Fortress is a half, I might be a full, to Anola Gay, correct? 
And Enola Gay either broke her maiden or won an allowance race at Kentucky Downs for shoving these same these same connections. Joseph Allen a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it's a full to Enola Gay. So it looks to me like that was a push button move at Colonial last time. Uh, the horse off slow, decent uh, decent time in the race. There's six and a half. I don't know. It's uh, Rosario could have a big day. We've talked about Rosario a lot so far. Uh, I think this horse. I think this was the goal for this horse because it's by because it's a, a full to Nola Gay and uh, he or she won here, whatever whatever she is. They gave him a good one at Colonial Downs and brought her here and trying to repeat repeat history. So I'm going to go with Flying Fortress. You're right about that. That is a uh, that's a full sister to Nola Gay. Mm-hmm. And there's some other positive. I don't think it's the greatest field in the world. If this horse does have the talent that I think the horse might have, it's worth taking a shot shot to me. I wish the price was better, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I I, I made a nice score on Semble Just when she run on uh, ran on June 12th at Churchill. She got a really good trip, uh, one turn mile. You look at the pedigree, you're like, well, what are, you know, what is she doing? running on the dirt. She seems like she might be better on the dirt, but the race two starts ago at Churchill going a mile on the turf. She was four. She kind of got a pocket trip. She kind of just ran evenly to the wire turned out to be a pretty key race moving forward. I think that last sprint at uh, Saratoga darkens her form. She stumbled really badly coming out of the gate. Uh, She got back up on her feet pretty quick, but she didn't really gather uh, herself into a, a, a stride that was making it going to make a difference until really late in the race. I just think she was compromised by that early stumble. Now she gets to sprinting on the turf and man, Kenny McPeak had a tough meet at Saratoga, you know, from the, from the quarantine at the, you know, towards the beginning of the meet to running his horses in bad spots to just, just the whole meet was out of whack for him. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to see him get hot. Kentucky Downs, Churchill, Keeneland. I, I, I think if you bet all of his horses blindly in Kentucky for the rest of the year, uh, you got a pretty good chance of doing pretty well. We'll see how it plays out here. But um, I agree with you on the horse that you like at 3-1, to one, the Flying Fortress. Obviously not a lot of experience there compared to a lot of the others in this race. Uh, but Semble Just will be the one that uh, I'm definitely looking towards utilizing you know, at that price and in the gimmicks and in the Maltes too. We said the exact same thing about McPeak last week. The exact same thing, by the way, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. Yep. You got, you know what? You gotta, you gotta feel the wave before the wave comes. And a right. lot of times you just got to bet them blindly because you'll be like, I like this one. I like this one. I don't really like this one. And the, I don't really like this one is the one that wins. At 28 to one going a mile and 16th at Churchill. And cause that's what he does. I mean, it's, it's this time of year where uh, his horses stretch out and they pay big prices. So yeah, you include him everything this time of year and he's, he's due for some good luck on top of it. Right. So, so there you go. So hopefully we don't have any horse stories uh, <laughs> during the September meet at Churchill. Let's try to keep those to a minimum. I'm going to pick a crazy horse in this spot and I'm just looking at conditions and this horse was claimed out of Turfway for $5,000, but I'm going to number 11, 261, for, uh, you know, for Barry King, owner and trainer, gets Mitchell Merle on. I love the cutback. This horse is showing brilliant speed early in these races. Went to Arlington Park, going a mile and three sixteenth, 
uh, you know, it says good. So I, I think it may have been one of those rainy days there or something or it was bogged down and not fast. But uh, I think the horse can show some speed and promise. And I, I, I can't believe it's kind of climbing these conditions. But the horse does not look bad and looks like it's got a ton of speed. This is my really <laughs> a crazy play. But I'm going to note it and put it out for all our uh, our fans on Facebook. Uh, Baron King's done a good job of that horse. He really has. No doubt about that. Okay, race eight is the first leg of the late pick four. Six and a half furlongs. Another two-year-old filly race made in special weight. Six and a half furlongs. Uh, the morning line favorite will be number eight. She's gone three to one for Vicky Oliver. Uh, a couple of these come out of the same race. The Devil You Say is the other one. Uh, they finished uh, heads apart in their maiden, or their, excuse me, their debut. Uh, I know who I like. I'll get my reason later. But, uh, guys, any selections in race eight? Go ahead, Joe. I don't have much of an opinion. Yeah, I got to do a little bit more pedigree research on this race. The one horse that I kind of caught my eye a little bit is the four. Palace Paramore for uh, Connor Murphy. Looks like those skylight works are interesting uh, to me. Uh, a nice little mixture of some fast half miles and then that slow five eights and then that uh, that nice work from the gate on August 21st. Air Force Blue um, out of the marketry mare Judy B. Need to do a little research on that too. But this is a horse that sold for a hundred grand. Uh, Keeneland January, which is interesting uh, to me, uh, given that pedigree. And Connor's kind of a little bit under the radar. Uh, it's interesting that uh, he puts James on this one. They've had some success over the years. And 15 to 1 in the morning line in a race where probably going to try to find a first-time starter. You know, S- Steve Asmussen does okay at Kentucky Downs, but, you know, you don't think of him – uh, with turf horses, you know, at when you, when you first think of that barn to begin with, let alone him pointing towards this meet. So the devil you say ran well on debut at Ellis, but you know, kind of got an advantageous trip. Didn't think it was the great field might be worth playing against. None of the other horses that have run really look all that great to me. I mean, Vicki Oliver, maybe, I mean, that she's gone horse, Man, she I mean she had a great uh season at Ellis. She I think she's gonna do well at Kentucky Downs too. She's got the kind of horses that I think are conducive to this course. That one's three to one though. So I mean, do you really want a three to one in this kind of race? Uh I probably don't. But just looking at what that horse did on paper first asking, and I don't love Bayerano at Kentucky Downs either. So that that would be a that would be a strike against that one's chances too. Well, Joe, you rained on my parade because that, that was my <laughs> pick. Unfortunately, number eight, she's gone. I just liked her first start. You know, Vicki Oliver doesn't usually have them cranked up first time out. Right. But uh, this filly, she was about fifth at the top of the stretch, uh, switched to the outside, and, and she got her hind end knocked out from under a little bit. She, she got turned sideways a little bit. But when, when she got straightened out, she, she really motored home. And I think this filly's got a lot of talent. Her mother – uh, she's not here. Was a stakes horse. Uh, yeah, she won the yellow ribbon in uh, California uh, twice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this uh, this filly's got some. Uh, she's got some talent, and she's by curling. Uh, 
like you said, I mean, you know, Bayrano's he he's he's not in the top echelon of Kentucky Downs, but you know, I think the, the Philly's good enough to 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 move forward second time out, and and, and you know, the price is depressed three to one, but I think this Philly's uh, I think she's ready to move forward and and maybe go on stakes competition. She may show up to in uh, in one of the uh, the Keeneland uh, turf stakes in the fall. But, uh, yeah, she's gone for me, and she'll be a single in my uh, pick four. That's great awesome. song by Hall & Oates. Great, great Hall & Oates song. Man, single and yeah. early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You I have you? nothing. I have nothing in that race. I have nothing in the next race. I'll go ahead and – spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only thing I saw, and I hate to say it, is, is a Dale Romans Philly. I, I remember this race at Ellis. So, I think this Philly's got a shot. Uh, Mitchell Merle takes them out this time. I, just you got low percentages all across the board, but I love Pioneer of the Nile starting on turf. So I, that, I'm going to give this horse a shot. Number six, the light of the Nile. Well, hopefully CJ's listening. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, what I, has, has Mitchell Merle ever ridden a horse for Dale Romans? That's a new one. I know. It's so strange. But that's what yeah. they did at Kentucky Downs. Mixed connections. It's like, Pals, perhaps. <laughs> they meet at Kentucky Downs by the border of Tennessee. <laughs> That's great. Race nine is the first of the twin stakes features. It's the Dueling Grounds, Oaks, and uh, this. I think this race is wide open. Uh, I have no clue. Uh, yeah, there's I, no pace. I have no clue. <laughs> I would assume it's a nine-horse field. But I think number four line dancing will probably scratch. She ran in the Virginia Oaks on Monday or two, excuse me, Tuesday. Uh, but uh, it looks like the uh, the favorite, more than my favorite, is number six, Adventuring, three to one for Brad Cox, Joel Rosario, and she finished third behind the Virginia Oaks winner, Flippant. Uh, so she has been uh, accorded the morning line favoritism. Uh, like I, I don't have a real opinion here, Joe. What What do you think in the Oaks? Well, uh, to me, Core Values is supposed to win this race. Yeah, it'd probably be a short price. I think I think you get that down. She's she's four to one, but I mean she beat the boys at Ellis, and not only did she do that, you know, and Vicky said the reason we ran in this race is because this horse wants as much ground as possible. So they went in the mile and an eighth race against the boys instead of going in the mile and the 16th race against the girls. So mm. you're like, real? did you really do that just because you wanted an extra 16th of a mile? And she goes off at uh, 11 to 1. The pace was methodical, 49, 113, you know, and then they come home and sub 47 for a, for a mile and an eighth. She made a huge move on the turn. She was still in hand. She was six wide. She had to jump off heels. And, I mean, Royal Prince is Royal Prince, right? He's like uh, a, a sparring partner for good three-year-old turf horses. He always, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He always gets beat, right? He always, yes. he always gets beat, normally at a short price. But, I mean, Royal Prince, modern science, I mean, she beat the boys. She did it against a slow pace. And... She wants more ground, and she gets it in this race against the girls. So, to me, she's supposed to win. Olivia the Desert was interesting to me. She comes out of that same race, the flippant, adventuring race. Talk about Kenny McPeak again, second off the layoff. Fourth career start on the turf. 
But of all the horses in that race, besides the winner, Flippant, who I thought was really good, and she proved it uh, by winning the Virginia Oaks, I think she was finishing the best, going a mile on the 16th. Now she gets more ground to work with. That long stretch should work in her favor. She's 8-1. to one. Never been a huge fan of this horse overall, but she, she just keeps dancing every dance, hitting the board. She's won four times, and I, I think she's going to finish well. Uh, that deep stretch, that long stretch is going to work to her benefit. So that would be the price shot I'd look at. But core values to me, all things considered, if she just gets any kind of trip, and again, Rafael Bayerano, Milan, 5-16ths, could be a, a big day for those connections. I'm with you, Joe. You got me sold. Got me sold. I needed some help, so I'll take that. I'm going go with I, that. I, I had no clue. All right, we've got two more to go. The really? Dueling okay. Beach. I'm sorry? No, I said I, 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 I thought we had one more. We got two more to go. I got you. <laughs> yeah, 11 race card. The Dueling Grounds Derby. Hey, Brandon. Yo. What's the significance of the name Dueling Grounds? Uh, I'll defer to Joe. <laughs> nice answer. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, that was that's what Kentucky Downs was called before it was Kentucky Downs. It was called the Dueling Grounds. Which is a great name, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, they used to run a meet there before full card simulcasting where it was almost I mean, it was the same kind of thing. It was like a five day meet, but it was like a, a fair meet. And then when full card simulcasting came around and you know, you would get races from the dueling grounds. You think that, you know, the camera angles are wonky at Kentucky Downs. Like, it was like an alternative universe there. Uh, but that's where it comes from. That Kentucky Downs used to be called Dueling Grounds. Yeah, there was and they used to inter- interweave their car with Turfway. Turfway had their big their big September meet and all their stakes races. And you had the third and fourth race from Turfway and the fifth from Kentucky Downs and the you know sixth and the seventh from – it was a bizarre thing they, they did. But uh, that's that's how it used to be back in the day. Uh, always, the good old days. Something always <laughs> nefarious was going on down there too with the owners. Like there was always somebody was in trouble. They they didn't have enough money to pay out the purses one year. I mean, there's just always something going on. It's 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 come a long way. It's a that's a legit place now. So we're very happy for it. Uh, the, the Dueling Grounds Derby is a mile and five sixteenths. That's once around the track at uh, Kentucky Downs and. The favorite on the far outside is number 12, Dujour. Uh, of course, this horse is famous for winning the American Turf Stakes on Derby Day. Bill Mott is the <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, It sounds like there's a story behind this, but uh, Rosario takes the mound. He's 5-2. to two. Joe, would you like to tell us a story? Uh, we'd have to probably save that for another podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, I, you know, he's been okay with Mott, right? I mean, the Saratoga Derby was a lot better race than this one. He's got to try to win from way out there. Um, and he's 5-2 to two in the morning line. You look at a horse like uh, Palazzi, who's coming out of the same race, was a much bigger price, obviously. Didn't run that much worse. And, you know, Tyler's ridden Palazzi the last four times, so my first inclination is, is to be like, where's Tyler? Yes, and he winds true. up on this Kelly Breen horse, right? So yep. that horse ran in the Saratoga Derby too and was pretty much eliminated at the start. And Luis took hold of him after that. 
and then was, you know, had a claustrophobic trip and was eight wide in the stretch and probably a race that was a lot better than it looks like on paper. And, you know, the horse was winning a Gulfstream in some very average races, but won the Kent and has a nose for the finish line, six for nine, and Tyler winds up there. So I, you know, does a lot of riding for the Cassies on live horses. Maybe they just think, and, you know, Adam rides for them quite a bit these days as well. Maybe they just think the horse needs, you know, a little extra oomph in the stretch that Adam can provide. Uh, but I found that interesting. So, yes, it's time was probably going to be the horse that I'm going to gravitate gravitate towards slightly, but not one of my favorite races of the day as far as uh, the wagering goes. Yeah, it would not shock me if we had one of these crazy payoffs in this race. You have some bomb that you didn't see coming in here. Someone like an accreditor in effect. I, I don't care for those horses, but it wouldn't surprise me if this one blew up. I'm with you, though. I, yes, this time is who I'm going to I'm gonna take. Because I've been on Palazzi as CC knows. I've been on Palazzi to no avail the last two or three times. And I, initially, I wanted to take get, give a shot with him uh, again in here in the big-ass fans dueling grounds uh, derby. But, again, Gaffleone goes to yes this time. And the horse was on a roll before the last race. Again, I mean, that was that was a, one hell of a field. Ran against most of these. But Tyler goes there. That's enough for me to look that way. I'm, I'm going to go to yes this time as well. And I'm sure Palazzi will beat me, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, one horse I would take a look at maybe for exotics is number six, Red Hornet. I know for a Ooh. fact that his connections are really high on the horse. Uh, this Whoa. might be too much too soon. But, uh, you know, the, the rider, I've seen this rider, uh, Alexis HR, he's turned in some pretty decent turf rides I've seen in the past uh, 12 months. You know, he's he's not a, a well-known jockey, uh, but he's 16%. Uh, you know, I, I would keep an he's eye on this. better. You know, at 30 to 1, I, he's worth inclusion on a vertical ticket, in, in just, just in my opinion. But uh, my top pick would probably be number 8, Cellist, because I think uh, – it, depending on how the track plays and if it rains, it might be a different story, but I think this horse, uh, they're just going to send him on the lead and see how far he can go. And, you know, sometimes, uh, horses lack heart going this far and he just might run them off their feet. So I, I mean, you get a leper and, and, and leper can, uh, he can, he knows how to control pace uh, up front. So yeah, I, I'm taking number eight cellist. I, I, I second all that. Yep. Rusty likes to win out there, too. Rusty likes to win down there as well. Well, I'll tell you somebody else that likes to win there, too, is uh, Calumet. Uh, yeah. Mr., uh, what's his, the, the owner of Calumet, I forgot his name already. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's from that area. And uh, Brad, Brad, I forgot his oh, name. Oh, what's his name? What's his name, Joe? Brad, the guy Man, Calumet. it's been a long, it's Bob uh, Cali. Brad, there you go. he's from that area. And uh, you, you'll, you'll see a lot of Calumet horses at uh, Kentucky Downs next week. So keep an eye out for them. Uh, last race, six and a half furlongs. Most important race on the card, in my opinion, as it ends the pick four, pick five, pick three, double. Every wager ends here. Race 11, as I said, is six and a half furlongs. Maiden Phillies and Marys, three and up. Ah, looking for a morning line favorite. Number 10, six feet apart from Wesley Ward. Tyler Gaffleon rides. How do we end the day. Joe? 
Uh, I guess if I had to pick the click on this card, it would have to be Kenny McPeak because I, I kind of like Front Street in this race, and she hasn't necessarily been a horse that I've been a big fan of her entire career uh, on the dirt, but she's always right there. And if you look at those company lines, I mean, Flash Magic, Magic Quest, Liberty MD, Caramel Swirl, Obligatory, you know, Travel Column back to when she was a two-year-old. She just hasn't broken through yet. Um, And, you know, you might say, oh, she's 0 for 10. She's got five seconds. But she's always been well beaten when she's been second. She's not losing, like, where she's hanging in the stretch or she is falling just short or, or, you know, losing ground. She's just been second or third best in these races against good horses. Kenny gave her a little bit of a break uh, leading up to this. You know, this could be, and this is probably what it is, giving this horse a race going into Churchill September where the maiden special weights for the three-year-olds by this time of year are going to be really watered down. And, you know, she could probably win a big pot there. But at eight to one, I would give her, I would definitely give her a look. Um, Cruz Bay, I mean, she finished really well in that June 19th race at Churchill, sprinting on the turf, but the, the winner beat side bunny was 17 to one that day. She hasn't proven to be much coming out of that race, but uh, the dam of that one, she's all scat. She's thrown some nice uh, turf sprinters as, as a broodmare. So and I think Joe Sharp, she's all skeet, I believe was one of them. And Joe Sharp used to, used to train that horse. So intimate knowledge of that family. You get Rosario, who seems to be a good fit. So those are probably going to be the two that I'm uh, focusing on most in, the, in that finale, which looks to be, like we said, you know, just another one of many wide open races. Yeah. Uh, well, again, to go back to another point, it, Rosario could have a big day here. I, you might blind bet Rosario today. Uh, he's on Cruz Bane here, which I like. I like Cruz. I like that that second place finish. I didn't think it was the toughest field, but he came flying, and then they laid him off, thinking maybe they had something going for Kentucky Downs. I think Cruz Bay is gonna be tough. I think the morning lines are morning lines off in this race. They got Nota Bene in here at twelve to one. And a couple of the shorter price horses like Megan's Clara and uh, the War Horse. I'm not crazy about. Nota Bene is a horse I think we've all been waiting on to uh, show that that race that she ran in her second career start. Maybe it's today. I don't know, but I've burned a lot of money on Nota Bene. The horse I think people got to pay attention to. If the horse draws in, which is unlikely, is on the far outside, and that's a horse from Brian Lynch called Fastest Flight, who ran at Ellis last time and looked like the horse was a little bit live. That social chatter that won that day, that's Vicki Oliver's horse, real nice horse uh, that she's got. And fa- on her debut, fastest flight was a little bit green and came flying down the stretch to almost run down a horse that was well meant in social chatter. So if fastest flight draws in, that's where you think you have to look. But to me, it's cruise flight and cruise bay and fastest flight if the horse were to draw in. Yeah, I like Nota Bene a lot. I think the distance is just right. It's the horse right in the nose, and I think Declaration of War does great at, at Kentucky Downs, if I recall the last several years. And and like I said, you know, with my pick three wagers, I'm going to typically be three or four deep in this type of race. So uh, Vicky Oliver, I think the Be Like Water could have a good shot as well. Uh, I think the horse has just needed a little bit more to run at, a little bit longer. Uh, you know, you're sprinting, so... Out, and you don't have to really about worry about outside posts there because when they break, they're coming right down that hill 
and they're all kind of rushing to that that turn, the low point in that turf. Uh, I, I've just I've seen outside, inside. I've seen them all do well there. There's nothing that really scares me. So, Cruise Bay, uh, maybe even take a shot of Settler. Uh, that's a big long shot. I love Pioneer of the Nile. So that's where I, I kind of stick with some of those sires that tried and true. Not necessarily the big price tags, but that horse actually is four hundred thousand dollars. So uh, give this horse a second, you know, a second time out coming from Gulfstream. So, but I hope to end the day with cashing a couple pick threes. I'm not going to play a pick four. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, Settlers is the one I'm interested in. That's the second of those Joe Orsino entries. Uh, yeah, like you said, his daughter pioneer the Nile. The Marys title pool. Title pool ran third in the Kentucky Oaks, I think, the year that Blind Luck won, uh, and for Lucas. So title pool won a race for Lucas, and uh, maybe it was the uh, the coffee people. Stone. Uh, I can't remember the name. I'm, I'm I'm terrible with names tonight, but yeah, that's uh, it's uh, Settler, and I like like you said, Nota Bene. If the track is not Bias to speed, I think Nota Bene's got a big shot. I think uh, six and a half furlongs probably hits her right between the eyes uh, with her late uh, closing kick. She has no early speed. She'll be lagging behind. But if they go too fast and the race falls apart, Nota Bene absolutely has a chance to pick up the pieces late. Okay. Uh, anything else? No, that, that was a marathon card. That we, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't intend to take that long, but, you know, it's so many good options and such that uh, it's, I guess you need to talk a little bit about it. I'm, I'm going to yeah. take it, guys. The, the, one of the best ideas we ever had last year was to do a podcast because now you fast forward to September 2nd when we're doing this, we get to spend an hour and 15 minutes with Joe Christopher. This is absolutely one of the one of the best nights of the year, in my opinion. Poor guy. I feel bad for Joe. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, I'm you guys are talking. I'm freaking taking down notes while you know you're giving your opinion on the horses you like. I mean, to me this is you know, this is fun. You, you on a normal night when I you know, wouldn't have, you know, so much going on, which is you know it is a rare occasion, but it, it happens often enough to just crack open a, it's just like you're sitting around at a table talking about the races with your friends. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great you know, to be on with you guys. Hopefully we can do it again soon. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Alan, that, you know, the best bet, the favorite were against and the live long shot. Like if I had to do that for this card and like how many live long shots, sometimes, and, 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 and honestly, I say this, Churchill Downs, like we've got the best, the Kentucky circuit, we've got the best product in the country. Yes. And, you know, and more people need to realize that. Uh, but we've got the best product in the country. And, you know, some days, some days I'm scrambling trying to find a long shot, you know, for the signature play board. When you've got so many horses that you, you're interested in that are morning line 8, 10, you know, we talked about a couple 30 to ones that we have interest in. Like, what more does a horse player want? 14% pick fours, pick fives. And yeah, man, it's frustrating. You're not going to win all the time. And, and I love what Brandon said about playing pick threes, you know, instead of the pick fours and the pick fives, because if right. you sync up one or two of them, you know, inevitably you're going to miss pick fours, pick fives. But if you sync up, sync up a couple pick threes, 
you know, you can spread more too, because there's only three legs, but man, you could have a great day. So that might be something I incorporated into my wagering strategy for this meet a little bit more. I'm also, I'm always swinging, you know, for the third, the third deck instead of trying to hit a, you know, a tweener for a double sometimes when I play these cards, but you know, you get enough doubles, you're going to score a lot of runs too. So I think people need to keep that in mind. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, this this opening day card, I bitch a lot about off the turf races and short fields. Why would I not? <laughs> this is everything that I want. I mean, I'll just off the turf races. I'll pass it. I'm not passing on this. You know, I may pass some races, but I'm not passing the card. This is this is what I complained about all year. Why wouldn't I play it? <laughs> Are you guys gonna be out there at all? Yes, we'll be out there Sunday. Are you going? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be out there every day. I might. My brother, I mean, every single meet, I mean, I did the morning line at Kentucky Downs before I worked at Churchill for three years. I got a long history there. Uh, it's one of my favorite working slash not working times of the year where I go there, I do a bunch of work, and then, you know, I play the races like you guys all day. Uh, rent a Airbnb in East Nashville, drive yeah. the 35 minutes uh, to Kentucky Downs, and kind of enjoy the best of both worlds. So, Yeah. I will be there. So let's uh, let's uh, let's hook it up. We'll look you up there. And I like how you worked the word slash into there. That was I saw what you just did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't even need the slash because I get paid to do a hobby, and I never ever take that for granted. And I put 110% into this job every day. And there's no other way I would I would ever approach it because when you get paid to do something you love, you just put everything into it. So uh, I do definitely uh, savor the times where I just get to be a fan and play the races and enjoy some adult beverages and, you know, ride the wave, so to speak. And I kind of get to do both of those things during this meet. And then before you know it, man, we, uh, we raised the curtain on Churchill September and I couldn't be looking any more forward to that either. Oh, you, you do a great job, Joe. We, we, I'm not just saying it to blow smoke. If, if you didn't, I tell you, you do a great job. <laughs> and it, it does not go unnoticed. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, I think if you're going to, you know, you guys mentioned it earlier about, you know, there's only a, a few racing analysts, so to speak, that you even care what they have to say. I'm in the same ballpark as you, man. I mean, there's a lot of us. And if you do this job well, you put a lot of time into it. You invest yourself in the product that you follow day in and day out. A lot of racing analysts that are out there, they can't do that. They're trying to handicap Colonial and they're trying to handicap uh, Ellis and they're trying to handicap Saratoga all at the same time. You really need to just invest yourself. Like for me, it's Kentucky, it's Fairgrounds. I invest myself and I live that racing every day. And that familiarity is what's going to benefit you when you play the races you know, day in and day out. You shouldn't be gambling. You should be investing. And that comes with the familiarity and you know, knowing the product inside and out. Preaching the choir. That's why we do a Kentucky podcast. That's what we love. So, Hey, guys, I think we should wrap it up right here. Um, Joe, we're honored to have you. Uh, like, we're proud that you're uh, you're the analyst for our uh, home track, Churchill Downs. And uh, looking like we said, we're looking forward to uh, – Seeing you at Churchill and, and hopefully this weekend at Kentucky Downs. For now, uh, we'll we'll end this uh, marathon handicapping session. So, <laughs> on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers and, and of course Joe Christofek, this is CC Broadus. 
Reminding you, no matter how many pick threes you hit at Kentucky Downs, the gambling money ain't got no home. Good night, everybody. Nice.